Hi, I'm Taylor Trammell with the Amarillo Stoppel, and you're listening to Tom Talks Baseball. Welcome back. Another edition of the Tom Talks Baseball Podcast. KGNCnewsnow.com, 1009theeagle.com. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, other places. Other places, I should say, you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us again this week. We're going to have a special Sod Poodle Spotlight for you once again. I'm Tom Young. I'm David Lovejoy. How you doing, David? Good I to can't see you, complain, man. man. How you been doing? Uh, doing very well. Happy uh, New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Yes, sir. And, of course, today here in Amarillo, Texas, it is very wintry. My we are getting, kind of weather. Yeah, we are getting the sleet. We're getting some snow, some mm-hmm. freezing rain. Not exactly what I would call baseball weather today. Right. But that's not going to stop us because we are still going to talk plenty of baseball. And we're going to talk local baseball. Uh, Very excited to have this guy on with us today. And uh, one thing uh, that David and I like to do with this podcast is with the Saab Poodles, of course, you know, the ball game itself is enjoyable. you got the great talent on the field. But the reason, in my opinion, that the whole thing was such a success last year is because of everybody in the Saab Poodles organization as well that made it just a great all-around entertaining event for uh, families and fans alike to go to. And we like to spotlight some of the people within the Saab Poodles organization. No exception today. Joe Corbiceros joins us today. He is the manager of video production and entertainment. For the Saw Poodles, Joe, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Tom, David, I'm happy to be here. I know we talked about this over the summer and mm-hmm. uh, glad to finally sit down with you guys and just, you know, tell you what I do. There yes, uh, very glad to have you. And if, you're, and if you're wondering a little bit about what Joe does, that big old video board out yeah. in the field, a lot of the stuff you see on there, I'm sure you have a, a good say in some of what goes up on that board, huh? Oh, I would. 90% of the content that's on that board is, uh, you know, made by my own two hands. So, yeah, that's that's very much my baby out there. So, very awesome. And we would love to learn more about what it is you do on a day to day basis. But first of all, uh, you are the manager of video production and entertainment. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, like why you got into this kind of business, like what made you excited about being a video producer growing up. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I guess the big thing for me was uh, when I was young, I always wanted to get involved with entertainment, and it's it's great to actually be back in a radio studio, because that's where I started back in high school. Okay. Growing up, uh, I was very fortunate. We had one of the first uh, FM signals in New York, 919 uh, WSHR, which was our high school radio station. Oh, cool. And from there, I was able to get involved for about three years. Um, doing different music shows, uh, producing some of our uh, football broadcasts that we did for high school football, and that was kind of my dive into entertainment. Uh, From there, I took that and I wanted to pursue that further in college, but I also wanted to learn the business side. So I kind of found this like pairing of both the entertainment and the business side at Hofstra University, which is also on Long Island. And from there, I got involved with their campus radio station, uh, WRHU-FM, which had just, we just recently won our second Marconi for best non-commercial radio station. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Thanks. And, you know, that's that's all the credit to uh, everyone at Hofstra University and everyone at Radio Hofstra University, uh, it's a first-class program. 
Um, it's constantly rated the the best college radio station in the Princeton Review, and you know I was able to kind of get my more of my chops in radio and entertainment by being involved with that radio station at Hofstra. But yeah, hev- heavily involved there with their uh, their news broadcasts, with their sports broadcasts, and with their music broadcasts as well. Um, Hofstra was actually their radio station was the uh, broadcast official flagship station of New York Islanders hockey. And oh. it still is to this day. Cool. I think we're celebrating. A college celebrating. station is a flagship station for a professional sport. Oh, yeah. So Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's neat. That is neat. I, I could kind of go into that whole uh, how that worked out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this is a baseball uh, podcast, but uh, just to dive into hockey a little bit. The Islanders on Long Island, they were going through a little bit of woes with uh, a stadium. Uh, the ownership group prior to this current ownership group wanted to rebuild Nassau Coliseum on Long Island, and it didn't really work out with some of the local politics. So they were kind of homeless, where they weren't sure if they were going to move to another stadium, which now they're in Brooklyn, or if they were going to end up going to somewhere like Wichita, Kansas. So... Uh, I guess in their efforts to try and f- streamline their radio operation, they went next door to Hofstra uh, and talked to us about producing their radio broadcast because we had a great signal. And really the goal for them was, hey, can we use your signal and you know, we'll put everything else together. And just the powers to be at Hofstra was like, oh, no, our students can put that broadcast together and we could be a professional NHL-level wow. broadcast. And it started off as just like a, a short couple-game contract in the mm-hmm. beginning of, I'm going to say, uh, it's, it had to be 2010, I think, was the, okay. the or 2011 was the first season they did it. And the only non-student on the broadcast was Chris King, who was the mm-hmm. play-by-play guy yeah. who followed the team around. Mm-hmm. But everyone else from all the reporters, producers, uh, updates in studio, and the and the color man, that was all Hofstra students. Wow. That's, and, that's that amazing. Is nice. That is nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, and I was a part of that. So mm-hmm. I, I produced the broadcasts. I also worked as a beat reporter in between periods. I talked to the players, talked to the coaches. Um before class, I'd run over across the street, enterprise some features for our intermission reports on our radio broadcasts, and then try to make it to class on time. <laughs> uh, a lot of my professors were pretty understanding when I was telling them what I was doing. They were okay with me being a little late to class, but um, yeah, no, it was a great opportunity that uh, you know we had at Hofstra University, and you know I was able to grow tremendously in such a short period of time. I remember, you know, 19 years old. My hair is not as like short as it is now. It was <laughs> almost down to my shoulders. Oh my had, a, had a nice salad on my head, so to nice. speak. <laughs> and uh, it was the first time I was able to work a NHL locker room. And I just remember walking in there, and it's just like I stick out like a sore thumb. Oh. I gotta really make sure that uh, you know I know what I'm doing. It's more pressures on me just being in there at a young age, knowing mm. that. There's no one else in the country that's had the opportunities that I've had that I just need to make sure I'm dedicated to what I'm doing and do the job well. And I was able to do it for three seasons, and it was amazing. Does Hofstra still do the Islander games? 
Yes, and that's mm. actually like the the coolest thing to me is that uh, Hofstra University did such a great job with the broadcast that we survived an ownership change and a change in arenas. Wow, wow! Right. Where right. we moved from. So my second season was when we closed the old Nassau Coliseum and moved to Brooklyn. But the the same broadcast partnership stayed with that change in ownership groups and that change in locations from Nassau County to uh, Brooklyn. And they're still the the official broadcast flagship station and producers of the New York Islanders radio network today. So uh, I know you're an Islanders fan because I, I think we've either talked about it or you, you've maybe posted something about it before. Were you a big hockey fan before going to Hofstra or did you kind of become one based on what you were able to do at Hofstra? I mean, I, I was probably not as passionate of a fan. It was definitely one of those, you know, I'd watch it. Every once in a while, I didn't follow it as much as I did baseball and and other sports. But you know, once I got involved with the broadcast, that's where I really got to to sink my teeth into hockey and you know have the opportunity to not just get involved in, in talking to the Islanders, but you know I had the opportunity to you know interview guys like Sidney Crosby mm, and wow, yeah. you know get to you know go to different other arenas besides Nassau Coliseum and you know be able to work those locker rooms as well. So it was a again a, a great experience that I had at a very young age in my career. That it, it's all thanks to. Just what Hofstra had to offer. No, no nothing against uh, college radio where I went to uh, Parkland College, WPCD in Champaign, Illinois. All I did was play once bitten, twice shy, over and over because some dude kept requesting it. Oh my god, got gosh. on my nerves. Wow, that's a heck. So you're telling me if you have an interest in radio and you're a hockey fan, there's only one place for you to go. Hofstra, <laughs> yeah, go to Hofstra. Yeah. If if you <laughs> want to work in NHL locker room when you're 19, and and mind you, we had. Uh, about 150 to 200 members right. of our uh, radio of our ho- campus radio station. About five or six of us were allowed to mm-hmm. work wow. the Islanders locker room. It was very much you had to like prove that hey, this is a very special relationship we have with this team, and we need to respect that relationship. So no one, it's not just anyone that's going to be able to get to do it. But if that's the route you want to go, definitely look at Hofstra. Um, especially, I, I know the initial sticker shock, because it is a private school, mm-hmm. is a little shocking. But if you have a, a pretty good uh, high school GPA and you did a really good job in high school, Hofstra offers a tremendous amount of scholarships. Yeah. I know, mm-hmm. for me, it wasn't too bad, uh, just because I, I did pretty well in high school. I was very fortunate um, growing up that my parents made sure I, I did well in school. Yeah that uh, I had more opportunities afforded to me, and I was yeah. able to afford Hofstra and you know, just get as much out of that experience yeah. as I can. Good deal. And, and Good I deal. know that this is a baseball podcast, yeah, so okay. we're spending a lot of time on this. I'm just fascinated yeah. that a college radio yeah. station is the flagship station for oh, wait, a major, professional yeah. sports team, and a, and a big one, you know, a big hockey team. Yeah, that, that, is that is very cool. So obviously, you get a lot of experience, and you're kind of thrown into the fire there. You know, being able to do all that stuff, you know, before you're age 20, uh, obviously you have some sort of passion for it. Maybe you learn a few things about it. Uh, where'd you go after Hofstra? What happened after that? So after after Hofstra, uh, I got to know. So we were the broadca- on the broadcast side. I got to know people that worked in the front office side with the Islanders, and I said, "Hey." You know, this this is the side I want to be on. I want to work for a team and grow a team brand. 
So I decided to get my master's in sport business management and ended up at uh, UCF, University of Central Florida, for their uh, DeVos graduate sport business management program, which is one of the best programs in the country. Um, I believe at the time when I entered, it was ranked number two just under Ohio University, which... Uh, for those of you that are aware of like the sports business world, yeah. uh, they're called the the Ohio Mafia just because they've been around for 50 plus years and almost any major sports organization, there's someone from Ohio University that's involved. Wow. So UCF kind of being right underneath that as a newer program, uh, it was, you know, uh, it was a great opportunity. And with UCF, I got involved with so much uh, down in Florida. We worked... Uh, the Daytona 500, worked a couple of projects for my professors, whether that was different rugby tournaments, worked with Disney soccer. Um, and then we we had some of our students do projects for different organizations, like MILB being over in Tampa and St. Pete, and a lot of their employees that work in that MILB office being UCF alum we were able to work with them a lot and you know even using them as mentors to get involved with minor league baseball like I am right now that was huge and that was all just because of the network I was able to get involved with at UCF that's impressive quite impressive Val tell us how you made it to Amarillo when did you get into baseball uh, and how did you get end up here so I first got started with baseball uh, while I was at UCF. We had an alumni that was the manage, uh, the marketing manager for the Florida Fire Frogs in Kissimmee. The Fire Frogs. Which is a great team name. Uh, they're going through a little bit of a hard time. They're kind of homeless at the moment. Wow. Um, so they're they're trying to figure out where in uh, the Florida State League they're going to call their home for next year. So... Uh, uh, just just to set up, I was on that kind of the low end of the spectrum when it comes to minor league teams where now Amarillo is very much on that top tier spectrum. So yeah. I've, I've had the experience in both. But from there, uh, they were just looking for help on their production end, uh, you know, running their music, running their their very small video board compared to what we have in Amarillo. And uh, the way it was set up there, there wasn't really full timers that were, there wasn't like a dedicated video production manager or entertainment person there. It was game day staff. So it was cool. My roommate in the program, we just said, you know, this is our time to be our audition because we can kind of come in and just run everything for this team in terms of entertainment. Yeah, great resume builder. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and just kind of, mm-hmm. hey, whatever we create, when we graduate at the end of this year, we can say, you know, this is what we built for this team. Right. And mm-hmm. the Fire Frogs were similar to us, the Sod Poodles, in that when I worked for them that summer, they were only in their second year wow. of existence. So mm-hmm. they didn't have a lot of traditions yet. Right. And uh, a lot of fan-favorite activities established. So myself and my roommate at UCF, we were able to really sink our teeth in and kind of create our own atmosphere. Very cool. And so you, you, you figure a lot of things out there. You, you, once again, kind of thrown into the fire, so to speak, when it comes to doing all that. You had that at Hofstra with the, the hockey. Now you got the minor league baseball. You build a, a great resume. What, what happens next? So from there... Uh, you know, I, I think I applied to 50 jobs, I think, in that oh, wow. last six months in the program. Because <laughs> sports, and, and it's a lot like, as you guys know, yeah. in, in entertainment and radio, it's everyone wants to do it, 
but there's only so many jobs uh, out there. So you, it's really difficult to get hired in a role, especially what teams are looking for. Because a lot of times they're concerned with when you're starting out, you know, that pay isn't fantastic that first couple of years out of college. It, you know, and teams are taking that into consideration. It's like, well, we only offer this for this role. Like, can this person come out there and do this? So for me, I'm applying to do all these positions all over the country, trying to get something. But again, this goes back to uh, college and networking. My, uh, uh, I worked under the assistant director of our program, and he had a huge network of contacts. He was a part of the National Sports Forum. Mm. And he loved everything I did with him working under him. So I pretty much wrote out this cover letter resume. I gave it to him, and I said, "Hey, I know you know these people from <laughs> from you know your network at the National Sports Forum. You know, blast them out. Tell them I'm looking for a job. I know these teams have positions open. You know, uh, help me kind of yeah. get placed before yeah. I walk in December." And uh, his uh, colleague was actually. Uh, helping the Saab Poodles hire for all these different positions leading up to the season. And uh, once she had heard that I worked with uh, you know, Mike Redlick, who was my assistant director at my program, she was like, well, if, if Mike is vouching for you, then you know I definitely want you to talk to our team, talk to everyone that works at the team, and this might be a good place for you coming out of college, You know, the opportunity to build something on your own from scratch. And uh, I met with the team at the winter meetings in Vegas two years ago, um, and then I had a bunch of follow-up calls with them, and then right about right after Christmas, uh, I was hired for the team with a start date in the end of January. So I'm coming up to about my one-year anniversary with the Sod Poodles right mm. now. Well, very cool. And the cool thing about, you know, your background then. So, I mean, it's probably kind of a daunting task in front of you. You got to almost build this thing from scratch. But you kind of did that a bit with the the fire frogs down there. So it it probably wasn't as overwhelming as it would be for just a regular person who had never had to build something from scratch before, right? Yeah, I, I knew going, I had an idea of going in what I needed to do and how much work needed to be done. And again, I've been in high pressure situations before, so I was able to handle that. But uh, nothing compares to pretty much, you know, I came in end of January. Really, I started being effective that first week in February. And that's two months between, you know, starting and then lighting up everything at the ballpark for that opening day where we had, you know, 7,100 people in the stands. Yeah. You got to make sure everything works. So. By far, everything before that, sure, birth by fire. Yeah. Those were embers <laughs> compared to what I had to do for like the uh, just like getting that, that ballpark line. ready. That was the true fire. <laughs> so, so, so what all were you responsible for? And because I know everybody had a large part in doing this and doing that. Uh, what was your biggest challenge when you had to get this thing going by that? first week in April? Uh, So for me, it was just making sure everything we were getting technology-wise in the ballpark was going to be able to communicate with Mm -hmm. one another, because it's it's some complicated systems, and 
uh, a lot of times, you know, these the people who are buying it, they have an idea of what they do, but everything else with technology, just like Apple products won't talk to Androids, it's the same thing in video production. Mm-hmm. So I'm there to make sure there's a synergy between all these different systems from running our sound in the ballpark, which we have a an amazing sound system that most minor league ballparks don't have, uh, you know, all of our digital signage. Um, all of our TVs in the ballpark as well with our closed-circuit television, they're integrated into that system as well. So it's just making sure that everything is in complete synergy. On top of that, I'm also hiring and training uh, a staff of 13 people a night Mm. that have never done anything to this level just because Amarillo and the Panhandle has never had something like Hodgetown. It's impressive how quickly uh, this came together and it got up and going and ran hit 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 live. Uh, I can remember going to the media uh, day that we had. I think it was a Monday or a Tuesday. And yeah, Tuesday, cause, I think, yeah, because yeah. the next day these guys headed out to start the first game, and and you guys were still running around getting equipment where it needed to be and, and trying to settle in. A year in now, do you consider yourself settled? Oh, yeah. I'm so much more comfortable than I was this time last year. <laughs> yeah. First off, being I'm in Amarillo this time. Right. And last year, I was still home in New York getting ready to make the big move down here. Uh, the I, I mean, the biggest thing is just making sure that uh, – I, we, we just wanted everything to be perfect. And with the technology side, as, as you guys know, that you're going through a little bit of a rebuild yeah. here at the yes. studio. Yes, we are. You know, that's the last thing that gets done. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for me, when you're coming to the end of the builds, we uh, the biggest challenge for me is I think we had substantial internet in the ballpark probably about two weeks before opening day. And it's... My whole system relies on uh, connectivity uh, and internet. So you're so. sweating just a yeah, little like, bit. Yeah. Just yeah. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever get a chance to go up and check out the room that, that you're stationed in during those games, you got TVs and yes. buttons and, and, and knobs and pots all over the place. And you're pretty much, that whole thing has to run like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. And you're, mm-hmm. it's your job to make sure it yeah. does that. Yes, and you know, and and that's just me making sure day in and day out everything works. And I think the the best part for me was uh, my staff coming in. So my staff is it's a mix of people who work in with the local media, mm-hmm. whether they are camera operators at some of the local news stations, and some college students from AC and WT, bringing them in. And I remember doing training where I'm trying to simulate what would go on in a fully functional ballpark right. when the ballpark wasn't really fully functional yet. So uh, uh, it's just kudos to them to, to sticking with me because there was some systems we put in place like just before that soft open where we had uh, the, the the first Sod Poodles game away in Corpus right. up on our video board and they were touching things for the first time. And for for them to understand like, you know, this is a process that the first time you touch it, you might not be an expert, but by the end of the season, you'll 
feel so comfortable and you'll have so much fun and this will be a great experience for you and you know the majority of my staff stuck with it Mm -hmm. and stuck it out and i think they're they they all almost all of them told me they're like yeah we're coming back next year this is the coolest thing i've ever done and one thing i'm sure it's really cool too is you're able to use your imagination when you're building some of these graphics that's what you do too as well right like some of the things that go up on the big old video board whether it be uh, a client sponsoring something or just be a, a thing to get the fans going you you build this stuff to put up up there as well right yeah so i build a uh, 90% of the graphics that you see up on the border are built by me and especially anything that's like specially tailored like we do a lot of beat the screen races where you see that long left field wall and you see whether we do like a star wars night and last year we had a a sebulba's pod racer and a kid (laughs) racing uh sebulba's pod pod uh, racer machine across the screen um spider-man on marvel night we had him swinging across the video board and i put those animations together and uh, honestly, it's a it's a cool canvas for me to kind of create this almost Disney like experience for people in Amarillo, and, and that's kind of how I view Hodgetown. It's like a mini Disney World where both myself and Sierra, who's our promotions manager, yeah. we can be creative with the theme nights we have throughout the season, whether it's a Wizards Night or you know a Star Wars Night, and we kind of redress the ballpark and theme it out to these different nostalgic entities and uh, kind of give fans for instead of flying to Disney World and spending, you know, thousands of dollars, you know, for the most expensive price of $18 and the cheapest price of $6, you almost get that micro experience home in your backyard. Well, that's one thing I I liked about what you guys have done so far and uh, will plan on doing going forward. And it's nothing against Amarillo, no, but but no. it is kind of like a little theme park to a degree. It is. You know, it is. like whether you're a baseball fan or a kid, you can go out there and enjoy something about what you guys do out there. And one of my favorite things that you put together were those uh, montage videos or whatever mm-hmm. going into the bottom of the ninth inning. If the saw poodles were behind, you had that fun one that would get you pumped up with all the movie clips. But at the end of the year, you came across the uh, the Freddie Mercury sod poodle <laughs> doing the call and answer deal. I think that was Freddie Mercury from Live Aid or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. And the crowd just loved every bit of that. How did that come about when it, when it got up there for the first time? What was your reaction when you saw the way people responded to that? I, th- I thought it was incredible. It was one of those things, especially the first time we played it and just how the whole ballpark erupted. It was one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is something that is not going to change for a long time. This is a tradition <laughs> that's going to stick at this ballpark. And uh, the the funny thing about how that came to be is I, I know, I believe it was our director of marketing, Tess, sent me the video, but someone had sent it to her, and it was actually something that was on YouTube. It was oh. a YouTube clip, and it's like, if you take a really hard look at it, I'm going to ruin the magic a little bit, but it's like, <laughs> it's, it's not like your, your American blacktail prairie dog. It's, it's some other type of prairie dog or, or some yeah. animal within the rodent family, but when this clip was sent to us, it was like, oh, we, we have to do this in the ballpark. And I'm like trying to think of the most perfect moment to implement it. And I was like, you know what? Let's get something new for a rally moment where 
you know, we're going to have the whole stadium yeah. erupt. Maybe the visiting team is kind of like, what is going <laughs> Where are we? And, yeah. and our guys are just like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, and they're going along to it as well. I mean, Patino was big with uh, the little stuffed uh, sod yes, poodle that yeah. he had throughout the playoffs yeah. where big moments he was holding it up. <laughs> right, so right. I know our team definitely embraced our brand. So, you know, to kind of have that synergy within the brand, uh, it, it was really cool to have that whole call and response with that uh, sod poodle Freddie Mercury video. Yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. And every time the ninth, and now I don't want to be losing in the bottom yeah, of the ninth, yeah. but every time that came up, I mean, it put a big smile on my face to whole crowds, you know, calling and answering the, the Freddie Mercury sod poodle, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It was just a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know how much you can say or how much you want to say, but anything new planned for the 2020 season that uh that's being worked on right now or is that stuff still kind of on the down low right now so yeah we're, we're working on a, a bunch of different things uh we're going to do some big announcements in the upcoming weeks about some of the theme nights we have planned and um obviously you guys know we have the all-star game coming yeah, up yes, yes. and besides Friday. the all-star game itself we're going to have a lot more surrounding that event that'll really kind of just be like a, a whole f- almost fan festival where fans can take advantage of uh, some of the different entertainment we're going to get in surrounding the all-star game and then you know what we're going to have at the ballpark i can't really talk too much about it um just because you know i'll let shane and tess and tony be the ones to officially distribute that but uh you know be on the lookout for those announcements on my end though uh i've been working on improving our milb tv broadcast so uh, for you Sod Poodles fans out there, I know you've been listening along to Sam Levitt on his radio broadcasts, uh, but you can also watch all uh, Sod Poodles games on MILB.TV. Mm-hmm. So it's this streaming platform where uh, you pay for the subscription. I believe it's about forty nine ninety nine at the beginning of the season and then goes down as the season goes on. And... Uh, you have access to almost every single minor league team's broadcast. So the games I produce, uh, those are all the home games. So if you can't make it out to a game, uh, you can watch those games on MILB TV. And then you could also watch when the team's on the road. We don't produce the broadcast, but the other teams produce their broadcasts that you have access to. On our end, uh, I'm really enhancing the broadcast. We're going to get a lot more statistical information. Um, as we kind of build out our systems. Uh, We're going to have more batter lower thirds, pitching stats, so you'll really get to sink your teeth watching our home broadcast into more statistical data um, about our players instead of just, you know, the the nuggets that Sam will talk about and throw in, we'll get to have some visuals up there as well. So really enhancing that broadcast that way. And then on the entertainment side, I'm I'm always looking to do uh, a lot grander and more creative things and there's a couple of ideas i have in the works that are really going to up the level of entertainment from what we did last year to just this wow factor this year and that's purely just because last year i got here and i had two months to prep (laughs) everything but now i've had this whole off season to to sink my teeth into just all the systems we have at the ballpark and you know some fun games uh better fun games for the kids uh to do in between the innings and then just 
enhancing that wow factor through uh i, I don't want to say too much because because mm-hmm. yeah. if you don't, give yeah, don't get yourself in trouble <laughs> don't yeah. give it away yeah let it be a surprise yeah. <laughs> L- let me ask you this uh joe uh, coming from a major city uh, like uh, say, in staten island new york uh how do you feel about Amarillo? What do you think about Amarillo? Have you embraced it? We, we see a lot of people, even in this business, who move from a company and come to Amarillo. And some people just, it's not their cup of tea. It's not fast enough. It's not whatever they, they want it to be. How do you feel about the city? I think I'm, I'm still trying to embrace the, the climate. Because yeah. I'm very, very much used to living on the coast, especially Long Island. Yeah. There's always 10 minutes from water. Mm-hmm. But the because of the people and everyone I've met, just like you guys here and you know everyone I've been able to work with uh, in connection with the Sod Poodles, I've definitely embraced uh, the people of Amarillo. They are so passionate about our team and so passionate about what we're trying to do and how we're trying to, to benefit the Amarillo community that it's made my job so much easier, especially in the beginning as things got yeah. really kind of crazy and hectic as, and stressful as we were about to open the ballpark. The the passion that people showed for what we were doing, I think, kept our entire front office going. Right. And, and that's one of the cool aspects of our Sod Poodles front office is the Elmores made sure to bring in this all-star team of talent that had been involved with many different aspects of sports around the entire country. And we all met in the middle here in Amarillo. There's in the heartland. a few of us from California and the West Coast, and then, of course, myself from New York on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And we all brought our diverse experiences in to create, which is now this premier minor league brand. Yeah, and again, we number two in attendance in all of Double uh, A baseball, named the top minor league team of the year it really goes to show and that was all up due to the elmore sports group and tony enzer that was just bringing in all this talent everything you guys have done so far you know pun intended has been a home run yeah i mean it, it's yeah. it's it's been such a great thing for the city uh, having a lot of fun here we're chatting with joe corbacero manager of video production and entertainment uh, for the Amarillo Saw Poodles. To find out more about the Saw Poodles, online, sawpoodles.com. You can also find them uh, on Facebook, Twitter, at Saw Poodles. Uh, last year, you talked about it being very stressful, not as much time to get things going. You've been able to relax just a touch more this offseason, but you've still been Mr. Country Traveler and still getting a lot of a lot of travel miles in, a lot of things done. How's your offseason been? I mean, it's been a fantastic offseason, off season, especially on the... Uh, uh, the, all the different work engagements we've got involved with. It's kind of been almost a Sod Poodles victory tour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in September, we had the chance to go down to El Paso for the uh, Minor League Baseball Innovator Summit. Mm-hmm. So that's where you know people like myself and Sierra that we're involved with the entertainment in the ballpark we're able to kind of exchange ideas and learn from other teams. And being a new team going in there, we were expecting to have more questions than answers for people. And then I feel like all the other teams are coming to me left and right. Like, oh, I heard you guys do this, or you guys did that, and that was really well. Like, what's your secret? What's your secret formula? (laughs) Or like coming in, it's just like, ah, we just were, you know, nothing was really, I shouldn't say nothing, but it was... (laughs) Uh, you know, a lot of it was we were just kind of 
doing what made sense as we we went along on the entertainment side just because we didn't have as much lead time as these other teams do to the season so it was kind of reassuring that these teams were like i like you did i like that you did this kind of promotion or you guys had that alex morgan tea sipping cam that went viral on (laughs) the fourth of july that was funny so um, and then even, so yeah, down in El Paso, uh, we were the talk of minor league baseball. They were just excited with the fact that we're in such a small market comparatively to some of the other double-A teams, yet we were number two in attendance. And I, I think the the cool nugget for me is uh, closer to home, up in Hartford, Connecticut, you have the Hartford Yard Goats, yeah. which was one of those, I wouldn't say the first uh interesting named team but uh they you know they were kind of one of those pioneers in the space and we beat them in total season attendance and they're in hartford which is the state capital of connecticut a market i think of a greater area of 30 million people i I might need to be fact checked on that but so you know we beat them total attendance for the season in our first year wow in a market that is so much smaller than that and yeah. I think that really shows on uh, mine and Sierra's end that we're keeping the entertainment fresh in the ballpark. And then everywhere else with the sod poodles that we're building such a great experience for the panhandle that people want to come back. They want to come back multiple times a season. It's yeah. not just, eh, we'll get a game of two in and, you know, it's just That's a it. summer yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the first time we met Joe, uh, we, 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 there, when we started this podcast, and coming into the sod pool season, uh, we we just jumped into it from the naming of the team. Uh, we spoke to Philip Wellman early uh, while he was still uh, the San Antonio official manager. And there were some things that me and Tom wanted to achieve as part of this uh, sod pools movement. And one of them was uh, Tom wants to shag flies or hit the batting cage. Yeah, I still want to do that. Yeah, yeah. I wanted <laughs> I wanted to throw out the first pitch, and and we wanted to, you know it was great. We got press passes. We got to go up to the press booth. Well, we were fortunate enough. Uh, there's a, a Coffee Memorial Blood Center here in Amarillo. Uh, does a it's the 100 Club of Amarillo. They do a boots versus badges softball game, firemen versus uh, baseball players. And me and Tom were fortunate enough to be chosen to do uh, the PA work on that game. And so we come in on a, a Saturday, and it's usually when the team's on the road. I'm sure you have something to do, but you don't have to sit there for four and five hours or whatever during that day for the game. <laughs> and so we met Joe there, had a great time. And it, it, the thing that tickled me was I, I didn't expect it, and I know – Tom didn't expect it, but these guys were smacking the ball. The fire department, were smacking, and every time it bounced off his video wall, you could just see Joe go. Ah, you know, like, Nobody told me this was going to happen like this. So uh, he he takes great pride in the work he does. He does outstanding work, and uh, just proud to have you as part of our community. No, yeah, I, the boots first badges games. When I first met you guys, they were roping them. Yeah, I, I was amazed. I was shocked. Check the bats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was shocked. I so, thought we're in this major league ballpark and 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 what what guy one guy hit like three he or like four three grand runs slam, and, and then they know? intentionally walked in the rest of the game. I mean, well, he intentionally walked and swept yeah. this softball. Yeah. <laughs> it's a charity softball game. Yeah. He's getting intentionally walked. And that's what makes the event so much fun because that shows how much that both sides want to win this yeah. game. Like they're yeah, not they, just out there to, to goof off. I mean, they're out there for fun, but 
dang it, they want to win. Yeah, it's not, it's not like the old beer league where if you round third, you got to down or you know yeah. brew when you got. Well, yeah. They take it seriously, but it was it was just I, I, I thought it was just hilarious. So, you know, and you just look over at Joe every time the yeah. ball was bouncing one hop into it. You think. Well, another thing about that, too, we got to see j- just the slightest bit about what uh-huh. you do yeah. on a regular basis. Now, of course, that wasn't a full Saab Poodles production. He didn't have the full crew in there. So it was just kind of a, a bare-bones run. And despite us seeing that, there's still a lot going on. Yeah. So I can yeah. only imagine yeah. how much more is happening on a day-to-day basis when you have a full crew in there working all the monitors, working the MLB.tv, the video boards, getting all the, the music and the sound effects to get the crowd going and everything. So no doubt, you you did an amazing Actually, job no. last year. We are lucky That's to all. have you here doing yes, that again are. for us uh, yeah. in Amarillo. One final thing, you had a chance to check out something also this offseason for the first time, uh, the winter meetings. Mm. Uh, you got to head out there with the organization. How was that trip for you? That, I mean, that was great. I've never been to San Diego, let alone California before. So, uh, for the it was my first time going to the baseball winter meetings on the team side and not mm-hmm, yeah. trying to find a job. Right, so yeah, it's right. like a little more a, relaxed, uh, a yeah. lot more fun experience. <laughs> and and you know that was a great experience. Um, you know, definitely uh, that that first meeting. Um, obviously, you guys have talked about it on the podcast yeah. before. There's big change being talked about in minor league baseball yeah. about how the whole system works and whether or not these 42 teams that were named are going to be effective um again there's there's been we haven't heard anything about us i'm i'm not too concerned on our end right. but there's a lot of historic teams where it's very unfortunate that those communities might be affected mm. by losing professional baseball so you know it was great to hear pat o'connor the president of minor league baseball come in and you know say you know they're going to do their their best and make sure that these communities you know and fight for these communities so it was cool for the first time being on the inside uh, and getting to hear what's being done to protect uh, minor league baseball and you know really having a great advocate that we have in Pat O'Connor mm-hmm. and then also just being able to sit down with all these other teams and and learn about what they're doing uh you know we got to meet with also some industry leaders during these different seminars uh a big thing as you guys might have seen is tiktok is really growing yeah. yes yeah I, I still don't really know how it is or, or, my, or what it is or what you do with it my, my son I'm, I'm a military vet army vet my son graduated west point and uh, over the holidays we talked about this the u.s military has banned tiktok for use and uh, I looked at it, and I was just surprised. In its short time, it has like 500 million participants. It's like the next big thing, I guess, in social media. So yeah. are you all diving into that? Yeah, and, and we're trying to figure out how to be effective in that space. I know that's one of the things we're currently wor- working on mm-hmm. is, yeah, I mean, you see some we are thinking about ways, you know, maybe we could get Ruckus involved and show Ruckus how to use a cell phone and get involved with TikTok. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, there, there's a bunch of mascots like Benny the Bull for yeah, the yeah. Uh, Chicago. Uh, He's, I, I am a Bulls fan. Yeah, I, I'm from Illinois, big Chicago fan. And Benny the Bull is probably my favorite mascot. I'm still the dude is amazing. Phoenix, so. Yeah. <laughs> so good stuff. Joe, if you don't mind, I can ask you just one real quick question. Where do you see yourself in five years? What do you want to do? Where is this taking you? See, you know, I've had a a funny career so far Mm -hmm. that it has definitely not been a straight line. Right. You know, from radio to, you know, now working on the team side. 
just whatever role I want to be in, I want to be able to be creative. And then that's what I get to do at the ballpark. It's I get to be creative and see an instantaneous response from anywhere from six to 7,000 people a night. And was this funny? Was this something that got the crowd excited if I put together a hype video or even just finding that uh, Freddie Mercury sod poodles <laughs> clip and getting seeing the reaction from that? Am I being effective in creating these entertaining, envir- entertaining environments? So whether that's, you know, maybe moving on to a major league team once I've kind of built up a resume and mm-hmm. really kind of established myself in the industry, that would be really cool to me. Or maybe it's something on the other side where I go out and I help teams create right. that experience yeah. and I kind of consult, create, and advise yeah. uh, all these other teams. And honestly, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not looking, just, just in case Tony's listening to this one, <laughs> I, I told him where I was going today. I'm not mm-hmm. planning on yeah. leaving no, Amarillo no. anytime mm-hmm. soon, Good but uh, you know, uh, it's definitely something I'm thinking about down right. the line. Right. You know, love to ch- just kind of do the same thing and like grow it in scale. Yeah. Would it, would video producer for the New York Islanders be a dream job? See, they're building a new arena yes, in they Belmont, are. Yeah. and yeah. Uh, it would be a dream to kind of go home and be a part of that whole new build and uh, be able to just build that new experience for everyone back on Long Island and yeah. back home. So uh, that would be that would be really cool to me, just to to you know kind of lay out this new chapter in New York Islanders history and kind of reinvigorate this brand yeah. that would be an amazing experience to me but we'll see again i'm, yeah. I'm not i'm not looking to <laughs> not, leave not yeah, yeah. there's you know i got no feelers out the, nothing yeah, like yeah. again the only thing i'm focused on is is right working on you know this upcoming season and making that experience great and, and anyone who attended the sod poodles game last year uh, that is good news because mm-hmm. uh, joe Excellent job yeah, last year with yeah, what you've beautiful. done, getting this thing built. Looking forward to seeing what you guys are doing in 2020. Joe Corbisero, manager of video production and entertainment for the Emerald of Saw Poodles. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Saw Poodles Spotlight. Yeah, thank you. I'm again. I'm glad I could finally come on after talking about this yep. over the summer. <laughs> yeah, good deal. Thanks again to Joe Corvacero for joining us, of course, uh, with the Saw Poodles, manager of video production and entertainment, to learn more about what the Saw Poodles are doing as they get ready for uh, the next season. You can find them on Facebook, Amarillo Saw Poodles, baseball, sawpoodles.com, Twitter, and Instagram at Saw Poodles. Going to shift gears a little bit. David's still with us. How are you doing again? How are you doing today, Tom? Uh, talking a little baseball. Uh, talking a little baseball on this very wintry day the here non-baseball in the baseball Texas weather, but Yeah, we're, we're California dreaming, I guess, a little yes. bit here. So. Uh, well, one team we want to talk about real quick, and we just, uh, we're not going to go very long no, on no, this, but the Houston Astros made some news. Yeah, you know, Boston. They, they've been in the news for all the wrong reasons yeah. since the World Series, yeah, uh, yeah. whether it be uh, the issue in the with the culture involving mm-hmm. the way certain people react to yeah. Mark, to uh, Ozuna being signed with the team, or now this sign stealing scandal that's been going on, and uh, Rob Manfred and company laid down the law on Monday, uh, and to be honest, not a bad punishment. So here here's what uh, happened. Uh, A.J. Hinch, the manager, and the GM, Jeff Luno, suspended. Ultimately, they got fired by owner Jim Crane. Also, the Astros have lost their first and second round draft picks for the next two years. Now, I believe I heard Ken Rosenthal say 
let's say they do a trade that mm-hmm. involves one of those draft picks, right. they don't get out of it. So it will go to the third year if they have like a first or second right. round pick that year. Mm-hmm. So when all's said and done, they have to miss two first rounds and Whoa. two second rounds. So like they can't just trade them to get out of that. Yeah. So I do like that. They also got fined $5 million, which is the maximum under current rules. I would assume that if uh, we didn't have that maximum in place, they would have gone even higher on the amount of money fined. So um, there is a big omission from this punishment, uh, especially since this was deemed a player-driven deal. Uh, The players. Where are the players in this? Well, uh, Rob Manfred uh, saying that no players were suspended just because so many were involved. It yeah. might be a little bit tricky to figure out yeah. who gets what and all yeah. that stuff. And uh, there's still some fallout from this. Of course, uh, Alex Cora, another guy who's going to get some sort of punishment at some point before we even find out what that is. Yeah. The Red Sox went ahead and let him go. Yeah, they a mutual fired. decision. Yeah, they sure. They say he fired him. They said it was a, a mutual decision. I'll but say it, it fired like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we just learned while we were talking with Joe that Carlos Beltran, who was the new Mets manager, was a player on the Astros in 2017 during this whole thing. Uh, he just stepped down. Yeah. And yeah. so the Mets are now without it. So we got three teams here well, a hey, month before spring training without a manager. That's a Mets manager. Manager, the best manager, Mets manager in five years because he hadn't lost a game. Hasn't lost a game. Hadn't won any, but yeah, hadn't he, lost, he hasn't yeah. lost a that's game. That's amazing. So, so my, my, yeah, any thoughts, just your thoughts well, when that suspension quickly, came down? I, 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 uh, the commissioner, and, and it's amazing how strong the commissioner has been in this. This would You never see Robert Kraft or Bill, Belichick in the NFL uh, get kicked out of it. Now, you look at like uh, uh, Peyton in, uh, in New Orleans when they had the cheating scandal for the bounties and all that. He got suspended for a year and, and came back to the team. Uh, and he, he warned him. Manfred warned him and said, okay, this is it. Zero tolerance. I kind of agree you can't punish the players uh, because management is supposed to be the adults in the room and they should have t- taken steps. Uh, what was eerie is you watched that World Series or some of those games of that Astro Series uh, and you could hear that trash can that they supposedly they would sit in a, in a room right off the dugout and, and catch signs and how they pounded on this garbage can uh, is how they signaled each other and uh, what is coming up is Cora who was a bench team on that Astro uh, squad is is sort of like the ringleader, and that's what that's what the information. Now it's it's funny for Hinch. They didn't say he actually participated in it or condone, but he didn't say anything about it. So that spe- uh, spelled his doom. And uh, yeah, it, it's just it's great to see a commissioner with a strong hand. Uh, it's it makes me laugh though. One of the things of talking points last night was, can somebody else hire Cora? Well. I was thinking, well, Hinch and the general manager of the Astros, they may never get another job in baseball. They may never. And, and I think they could be hired, but uh, we still don't know about Corey. Yet. Yeah. But we like, don't if know you were to hire that. Hinch, he still has to honor that. That you know, one year's like, suspension. Yeah. He got to so, go I mean, away. Yeah. That's not yeah. going to go away. Yeah. So, um, and, and you think maybe Cora's punishment might be stiffer than Hinch. Uh, because he was sort of the ringleader of this. So, you know, we'll see. It's it's, it's still developing. It's going to keep going right up until spring ball, the ramifications from this, and uh, just interesting. But you took a look and said, uh, how would how should MLB or how you would address this issue? Yeah, no, I, ha- I have a couple things. Uh, so the, the first one 
uh, involves uh, the manager and the GM. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they suspended them for the year. Uh, I don't think an MLB team can tell you to fire your guy, so right. that ended up becoming Jim Crane's decision. Yeah. But I think the follow-up to that should be they're not allowed to hire anyone on right. the outside. Right. I think it should be next man up. Whether that's yeah. a good thing or a bad thing for the organization doesn't yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should not be allowed to go search for someone new until the 2020 offseason. Right. right, because the idea is we don't want you to have a GM and a manager. You These are your consequences. Yeah, and to you, allow you have them an to go assistant out. or yeah. a bench coach step up and fill it in mm-hmm. on, on the interim, if you will. But yeah. I don't think they should be allowed that's it. to go get someone new. Exactly. And I view their firing... Uh, as kind of a loophole, yeah. as a way that they can go out and get, get someone one. that they want mm-hmm. when I don't think they should be allowed at this it, point it should to be a get what they want. I agree wholeheartedly with you. It should be a punishment. And and, and the players. Mm-hmm. I think they should be punished because yeah. he, here's here's the thing. Not, not just the player-driven thing that you know is the term used to describe this whole deal. The Astros can still be good in 2020. Yeah. And that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. Like, if yeah. you're going to do something that ruins the integrity of the sport, and and you're going to get this big old punishment, it should affect your team. You know? Mm-hmm. And we, we've seen it in, in other sports as well. Uh, we've seen it in NCAA is a good example. But, you you but, have schools do egregious things, and they get this little tiny punishment, and then they're able to be good in a couple years and win national titles, and it's all forgotten about. But, but the thing I have, and that's a great example, you look at Penn State, you look at USC, you look at SMU, uh, when it's the administration, the adults in the room who did this, they really can walk away scot-free and just wash their hands up. John Calipari. While these kids... Are made to suffer the consequences. Yeah, and see, that's why I, I don't think the players should be. But affected. that's the thing. You, the word you said there, kids. Yeah. These aren't kids. Yeah. These, these are these, these are guys. Major League, some kids, of them yeah. have made bank yeah. off of being able to perform well, yeah. knowing what was coming. Like yeah. George Springer just yeah. got twenty-one million dollars in arbitration. Yeah, does he perform the way he performs the last year or two? Because he knows what pitch is coming, and, and so I—I'll I, tell you what I think real quick. I think, and so the punishment that came down on Hinch and uh, and Ludno, you know, once again, it was it wasn't saying necessarily that they were a hundred percent involved, right? But but you knew, but but you were you were part of the deal yeah. that didn't stop it. Yeah, you know, you well, I, I guess Hinch was. They threw his name out there for ringleader along yeah. with Cora as yeah. well. So if you're going to do that with the higher ups, and I like the idea of kind of cutting the beast off at the head a little bit, and that's yeah. kind of how I view this. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to sus- if you're going to suspend the GM, even if he maybe didn't do much with it, but just didn't stop it, well. Every player could fall in that category. Right. You right. knew what was going on. You maybe you benefited, maybe you didn't, but you also didn't try to stop it. The same as the GM. So here is what I propose. And here's another reason why I propose this. If these players get off scot free, once again, you know, low risk, high reward. They didn't get punished for this big deal. They ended up going on to win the World Series. Now, I've seen some people say, real quick, I know I'm dragging this out. No, no, no. Um, that they should take the World Series away. I don't. I disagree. And the reason I disagree is because I think you're going to open up something that you, you're never going to be able to they close. the championship. Well, what about the steroid era with all those guys? So, like, I, I totally get not doing that because then you're going to open up a big old yeah. uh, situation where it's like, well, what about this? What about that? Blah, blah, blah. And before you drop your, your suggestions, I'm going to say this. Okay. Uh, uh, the, the thing about, okay, stealing signs, 
and you think, oh, well, that it's not a, a, a gaming. It's not like, oh, by doing this, he's going to be... You still have to hit the ball. You still got to hit, hit ball, the ball. But it's a hell of a lot easier to hit it if you know it's coming. And if You know what? You still have to see, have the talent to hit it. Well, they all do. Yeah. That's well, the thing. You and I don't. Well, yeah, but see, that doesn't that's matter just, if I know I, a fastball's I don't want to be... If, so if, oh, well, they had a... They still fail half the time to hit it. That, that's the thing about baseball. You, you, it's, you, you, go still from, fi- you still fail half the time, more than half the time, and you're considered a success yeah. at 250 with an average. So, I, I, yeah, it's bad. And, and, and I think what, the, what the, the, the kink in this whole chain is, is the electronic cheating. No, that, that, that's what it is. That's, because, the, whole, because that's now, the whole thing, the Because technology. that's what allows you to know exactly yeah, what's coming. Exactly. That's get how away you go it. from being in the bottom five yeah. of swing and miss percentage to all of a sudden magically leading the league yeah. in the lowest swing miss percentage. Yeah. How does that happen all of a sudden? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's a miracle. Well, it turns out there was something going on there. And and it allows you to make more contact, and, right. it, and it increases your odds to win, and it's an unfair advantage. Yeah. You and I can't hit a fastball no, or a not. curveball. You can tell me it's coming. You can tell me where it's going to be, yeah. and you and I can't hit can't it. Can't get it. But these guys who play this game their entire lives can hit 100-mile-an-hour yeah. pitches, can hit breaking balls, and damn it, if they know it's coming... They're going to be able to lay off of it, yeah. or they're going to be able to smack it somewhere because mm-hmm. they can adjust their bat speed. So uh, I... Sorry, I I don't like that argument because these guys these guys don't these guys can do it. And you got to look at it too. What what position? Just like in the NFL, it's happening in baseball. Uh, the the thing is, home runs are sexy. The scoring runs that's what people want to see, and so they're just trying to bend to the will. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but you know they've had cheating scandals before in baseball. We all know about you know the the famous guy out in the the board. And in Fenway, you know, the scorekeeper's board, you know, stealing signs. It's not the first time somebody no. stole signs, but it's electronically and, and all the detail they went it's into. It's the fact it, that you're able to relay yeah. it on before the before pitch is the thrown. next pitch. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that, that's a huge advantage. Yeah, that is. That and, is. And, and it's in the rules. You cannot steal signs with the use of a camera or yeah. other electronic mm-hmm. devices. Yeah, it's in the rules. In the they wrote book. the rule, and Manfred said. Enough of this. Next time it happens, we're we're throwing down the hammer. And a hammer was thrown, but I think we could throw it a bit more because the players got off the hook with this. And some of them, like we saw with Springer, maybe got really big amounts of money because of how well they played when they knew pitches were coming. Right. And so they're affecting uh, the values in the market. Players are getting big contracts and things like that. So here, we can go one of two things. I have two ways to punish the players. Mm -hmm. And I'm only going to focus on the players who were on the Astros 2017 postseason roster. So if you were on the team in the regular season, did not make the postseason roster, you're going to be off the hook. This is only if, and I'm including pitchers, because once again, we're going to put them under this blanket of you knew what was going on, but you didn't stop it, and you reap the benefits too because your offense was able to do a heck of a lot better knowing what stuff was coming. You can get wins and and all that stuff and ultimately win a World Series. All players, 2017 Astros postseason roster, lose 25% of their 2020 salary. So whatever money you're making in 2020... 25% 25% of that, I'm going to be nice to you. You can donate it to a charity of your choice. Right. So you're going to donate it to charity, but some of these guys are able to make really big bucks 
maybe based on the kind of years that they had in 17 and in 18 when they knew what pitches were coming. And if you have great years, you make great money, money Mm -hmm. that maybe you didn't rightfully earn. So I think 25% of your 2020 salary, if you make league minimum, maybe not a ton. If you're Garrett, or not Garrett Cole, because he wasn't there. If you're Justin Verlander making whatever, 25-some-odd million, that ends up being like... What six million dollars? Yeah, yeah. I th- I think you take that and donate it to a charity, or all players 2017 Astros postseason roster are suspended 40 games. Yeah, but we'll see, let you keep your play or your your uh. We'll let cash. you keep your pay, but you're suspended 40 games. But then what what you get with that though is the players who are not. On that team today, don't care. Then you're hurting. <laughs> well, see, if you want to punish the Astros, now you're punishing another team. Uh, whoever, wherever, let's you punish say, another team when the guy takes PEDs and suspended. Yeah, but you you punish you you're punishing a team who, who had no knowledge of, of the wrongdoing or what or whatever. And I, I see, I, I've heard that. Oh, you need to spin these players. Well, now you're hurting the team if they're not on the Astros. Then you're hurting another team. Well, Marcel Ozuna goes and beats. <laughs> Uh, not Mark, uh, Roberto Ozuna. Mm-hmm. Apologies to Marcel. Goes and beats women, gets suspended by the Blue Jays. Is that not fair because he hurts the Blue Jays who had nothing to do with it? Right. right. No, no it's not. He made no, a mistake. Not. But, and, the, and, but and, then Houston picks him up, you know. And, well, and, th- that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you players do things that don't necessarily are, are involved with the team they're on that hurts that team yeah. by getting suspended for one reason or another. I'm not saying for the full season. I'm saying 40 games. So, you know, and Beltron, if he didn't get, you know, if he didn't step down, I was going to say 40 game managerial suspension yeah. for him because he was a, a player on that team. So the, the, the reason for this would be mainly to try to hurt the Astros in the 2020 season. So yeah. they'd have to bring up a fair amount of minor league guys to fill in for now. And then, of course, for the remainder of the season, 120 games, they'll get all those guys back and they can do whatever they do. But the thing that doesn't sit well with me is that you do something like this that you know, you're know, you ruining the integrity of the game by going out there and taking a World Series away from a team that, you know, as far as we know, tried to do it the right way. And your, your team can still be good this year, and you know the funny thing is, uh, the Dodgers—they—they they just have to have the worst taste in their mouth. Oh yeah, because that those were the two squads uh, they faced in the World Series, and yeah. so uh, you know, and and I, I want to say it was uh, one of the players uh, who said, you know, hey. We know what we were and what we did, and I agree with it. Take, taking a championship from from Houston and Boston, and, and you know, saying, "Hey, second prize winner gets it." It's not a gold medal. That's a different no. thing. Yeah. If the gold medal winner has to drop it, then of course you get to silver. But but you know, that would be a tainted championship because they didn't do it on the field. It was did in a boardroom, and so yeah, I, that's a tough one. But I, I'm just not in for punishing the players because the management of the team, the the general manager the coach should have been the adults in the room so uh you know but i and I, I have no problems with and i don't think they should ever get a chance I, now pete rose needs to shut up and sit down somewhere because he's screaming <laughs> oh, it's worth. but no I, I wouldn't hire these guys i would i and hinch is a great baseball guy but he 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 would it's 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 like you said it's in the rules 
It's in the rules. It's, it's like the, rules, the no yeah. gambling in every dugout in baseball. Uh, that was one of the first things I looked for when we went to go see the Zod in Hodgetown. We got to go down to the dugout. It's that sign, and it's there. And it, it lays out the law, the rules. It's right there. So you have no excuse. Manfred laid down the law. You have no excuse. You you have none. And uh, like I said, I I, I, I – I, I like what you say about that, that, okay, I fired him, so now I got, no, no, the deal is you're getting punished. You're going to have to do it with a bench coach. You're going to have to do it with somebody else in your front office to handle these trades and all that sort of stuff. You don't get to fill that slot. Neither does Boston. And, and, and Cora shouldn't get another job. You should be, I, I don't want to, I hate to see anybody banned for life, but if I owned a team, I wouldn't call you. I don't give a damn what's happening. I'm yeah. not calling you. And I think that could happen. Like, yeah. even if you're not banned for life, th- th- there's this stigma now yeah. about, hey, this is who you are. I mean, you, 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 part you, you do it the wrong way. And we saw what Manfred did to our organization. Mm-hmm. When someone did it a wrong way to their organization, Can't I mean. Risk my money. So I don't, I don't want to risk that either. So as a whole, David and I agree on one thing. We yeah. don't agree on the other, other with the players deal. I want to know what you think. Hit yeah. us up uh, on our Facebook page, uh, Twitter, at TomTalksBBP. We're going to get out of here because uh, we've gone over an hour today. Big <laughs> thanks again to Joe Corbacero for uh, Joe Corbacero for joining mm-hmm. us on the Assad Pool Spotlight. Uh, great time talking great with him. Kid. Still can't believe Hofstra College Station is College a flagship for a, a professional. That, how that cool great? is that? That is beautiful, man. If that would be an educational oh, experience. Man, if you're a fan of sports and you're a fan of radio and you're looking to get your foot in the door, go yeah, to Hofstra. Go to Hofstra. That's, that's the place to like. be, man. But yeah, that's uh, let's. Uh, and, and coming up in, in some future shows, we're going to get back into some MLB with some of the, the things going on on rosters and that sort of thing. And uh, hopefully the next couple of weeks we'll have our top Five now. Who do we think before the start season even starts? Who's your favorite top five players? The best in baseball. Uh, how about pitching? you? Like a, yeah, we'll do a top five position. Yeah, players, position and, and pitching. Yeah. yeah. You, you want to go each league on that, or do you yeah, want to go? go. Yes, okay, let's, so we'll do five position in LAL, five so. pitchers yeah. in LA. Yeah. So yeah. maybe we'll do that next week. Cool. We'll do cool. that let's next do that. week. Let's so, have some fun. And, with and if you want to hit us up with your list of your yeah. top five mm-hmm. in the game right now, let us know why. We'd love to see that as well on our social media pages. This has been the Tom Talks Baseball Podcast. I'm Tom Young. I'm David Lovejoy. Thanks again for listening on this very wintry day here in Amarillo, Texas. We will talk to you again next week. Play ball!